Hope you enjoyed last week's episode of Unprofessionals Asking Questions. Welcome to, welcome back to this week. Um, we have episode number seven, I think, seven, and we are looking into the Dyatlov Pass incident. Oh, that's Julia. Oh, I'm Julia, <laughs> and I'm Sid. <laughs> um, but yeah, like she said, this week is the Dyatlov Pass incident. And some theories behind it. So we kind of dove into this one. Um, yeah, I don't know. Do you want to, how do we want to start this off? Do we just want to jump in or is there anything you want to talk about? Do we have any corrections or news before we get into this? Because didn't we have something that you wanted to correct yourself on from the last episode? Oh my gosh, yeah, I'm so pissed. <laughs> um, the Capilla. Hey. I said Rara last time, but anyways, it's from Hannah Montana. I was right. You made me second guess it because you were like, I've seen every single episode. Yeah, so that, I said, I don't remember. It's from Drake and Josh. And then I went home and I was like, it's not from fucking Drake and Josh. But the girl, the same character does yeah. play in Drake and Josh. See, I remember so. her from Drake and Josh. Drake and Josh, but I don't remember. She was Miley Hannah Montana's bodyguard. In the whole thing. For a while. I don't know why, like, I don't remember a bodyguard for some reason. Yeah, remember when, like, Hannah had that bully? It was, like, this really tall, emo-looking girl. And that's where the Roxy Like Puma thing comes from. Maybe. She, like, slices the fruit in half by doing, like, ninja stuff, but she doesn't actually touch the fruit. Like, fruit ninja? Yeah, like for me. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, it's Hannah Montana. Yeah. Don't question me again with well, you Disney. Were, I mean, you were right and then wrong and then right again. So yeah, it's okay. So I was right. Yeah. <laughs> That's what it comes back to. I like texted my sister too because that, like, my sister, older sister, she was obsessed with saying it all the time. Mm-hmm. So I just texted her and I was like, Do you remember Roxana Puma? And she was like, that's how I like confirmed it because before I even yeah. looked it up, she goes, You just unlocked a core memory I <laughs> forgot about. Oh man. <laughs> she goes, Thanks a lot. I'm gonna say it all day. <laughs> so, oh, also, I confirmed my favorite animal with my mother because I wasn't confident in the cheetah answer that I gave you. It was lions. <laughs> that was my favorite. Oh, growing up. I was like, yeah. How do you you can't ask your mom what your favorite animal no, is? You need to know. But when I was younger. Okay. Lions. And lions and tigers and bears. Oh, oh my. But it was not from the Wizard of Oz. It was from The Lion King. Mm. That was why. Great movie. Oh, yeah. Okay. What about anyway. bats? Where did the bats come in? Um, I was born in a cave. So, <laughs> Okay. I was raised by bats. I was raised by bats. <laughs> Oh, so you didn't contact this mom. You contacted your bat mom yeah. to see what your favorite Correct. animal was. Gotcha. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. All right. Should we get back on topic here? Yes. So this is like a more serious one. But of course, like, I mean, we'll have some lightheartedness mm-hmm. to it. 
but it's a mystery. It is a mystery. Do you have like an intro that you want to do for like leading up to everything? And then I can go over mm -hmm. who everybody is. True. Okay. So the Dyatlov Pass incident occurred in the Northern Ural Mountains in Russia, February of 1959, when nine ski hikers, ski hikers, mysteriously died from a quote unquote compelling natural force. And I would say to this day, it is still not solved. Agreed. But we'll get into some of the theories. Mm -hmm. Um, But all of these nine members, and there were 10, but we'll get into that. They were all, all but one were students or recent graduates from the Ural Polytechnical Institute in Russia. Their goal for this this expedition was to uh, reach Mountain Otorten, which was about 12 miles north of the site of where this incident occurred. This was going to be like a two-week expedition. Um, the I believe the trail was also completely laid out for them. And it was like legit yeah. things. Yeah. Uh, the name of the mountain, Otorten, translates to Mountain of the Dead. So I did say, I will say that I found, um, like, Otorten was their the place that they were going to oh, sorry let me just find this real quick I'm sorry I saw it was like spelled a different way the oh. Torton part no that they were in the Kolotsiakul that's- and that's what translated to Dead Mountain I thought I saw that too <laughs> but then it said that they were going to so I don't know if that was to get to that mountain, the Torton mountain, or if the dead mountain was the same thing and that's just the location on the mountain. I don't know. Should we not use the translations? No, I mean, I said de- we can just call it dead mountain. Okay. Like you said. So they decided to take this expedition during the most difficult season of the year for Russia which was January, February. And this route that they had mapped out is estimated to be a a category three, which is, you know, categories for professional skiers. Right. And they were at category two. This was how they could jump up or like Mm -hmm. upgrade to that next level. Right. And which is at the time, I believe was the highest level was the category three. Mm -hmm. I think they might have something else by this point. I think so, but I also read that at the time, the Category 3 was um, the most difficult, the highest, yes. Um, All of these members were experienced in long ski tours and mountain expeditions, so none of them were newbies. They knew what they were signing up for. They had the experience. They believed they could do it. Mm -hmm. Um, This expedition in particular, due to its difficulty, would... Oh, did I already say that? I must have... Well, no, it's no, different. It's so great. It was a category oh. three hike or a, like ski hike. Yeah. But their experience would change it from a grade two to a grade three. Gotcha. For like their expertise. For a second, I thought I just like repeated my notes Mm-mm. and phrased it differently. No, <laughs> you're good. Anyway. Um, <laughs> scrappy. If you guys hear anything, it's, it's dog Scrappy. He wants to be a part of the podcast. Okay. 
Um, so while they were on their expedition, they took tons of pictures. I believe they had four cameras yes. known at the time. Yes. I included some yeah. of the pictures in the top of mine, too. I didn't okay. know if you saw them or not. I did not, but I will go over to them after my little bit here. Um, so on top of taking tons of pictures, they also wrote in their journals. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, Like I said, they followed a specific trail that was set out for them. Um, it was a Manzi Trail or Manzi Mansi people, which are the indigenous people to the area. Mm-hmm. And we'll get um, into that. Mm-hmm. The last diary entry um, that was found had them being super carefree and optimistic. The weather was a little meh, but they were, you know, in a terrible season in Russia. So it's to be expected. Um, <laughs> sorry, he's being crazy. <laughs> he wants attention. He does. Um, they even created their own newspaper called The Evening O'Torton. Did you see anything about that? No. I get, yeah. So they included and cre- created their own. I don't know if they like just wrote this down and part as part of their journals or mm-hmm. what they really did, but they had like different categories like newspapers typically have, so, like a sports section and business section, things like that. I know. I'm like, you're only supposed to be like doing this for two weeks. But I guess like maybe you're super bored between walking through yeah. wind and snow. <laughs> yeah, and they probably had to take certain breaks depending on like the weather for certain days with like wind and snow and everything. I would imagine like you're not hiking right. the whole um, 16 hours like a day. Which I don't think I mentioned. I think the length, was it like 350 kilometers, like 200 miles, something like that? Yeah, I think something like um, that. Which is... In, insane mm-hmm. <laughs> that is so far yeah they were supposed to be gone for weeks mm-hmm. yeah um, so I get why they would create a newspaper I guess and some of the like they had in here it was called an Armenian riddle and it said can one stove and one blanket warm nine tourists talking about themselves Yeah. <laughs> which I didn't realize this at first but they only had one tent yeah, it was a yeah. nine or a ten person tent. Yeah. I it doesn't look didn't that realize way. that until almost today when I like started putting things together. So it was one tent that sleeps. But, you know, some people they were all in one, and they had a stove in there as well. I didn't know. That. So that part will kind of come back, um, but they had in a science section. Quote, in recent years, the scientific community is a lively debate about the existence of a snowman. According to recent reports, snowman lives in the northern Urals near Otorton Mountain. Oh, interesting. Mm -hmm. But at this time, like, people were crazy about hunting yetis. Like, I think there was even, uh, there was regulations for Nepal. Um, like you had to get a permit, you had to, you weren't allowed to kill it unless it was self-defense and you had to give up any photos, um, or any evidence of it to the government and you can't release any information about it. But they actually had these regulations, regulations because just like Bigfoot over here, people were obsessed with right. the Yeti. Um, that's why. So, you know, <laughs> who knows? Oh my God. <laughs> um, but they, um, Oh, if you want to get into the people. So like I said, there was originally 10 people, but nine or how many mysteriously died. So there was one survivor. Like I said before, I get into the people. I did include the photos, which you just looked at. Mm-hmm. And like, you can tell that they were all 
they seemed very close, mm-hmm. like good friends, happy, yeah, excited, good spirits, yeah. So, in one of the documentaries that I watched, which was honestly very, very informational and very helpful in getting information and interviews from people, but it was called An Unknown Compelling Force, and it was created by a documentary filmmaker, Liam Leigh-Gayou. Sure, sure. Um, so within that documentary, a American-Russian author, Svetlana Oss, who actually wrote the first um, English book on the Dyatlov Pass incident, she spoke about you know some of their characteristics and personalities and the dynamics of the group. So I'm just mm-hmm. going to go over that with each person. Okay. So the first is Igor Dyatlov. He was born on January 13th, 1936, and he was 23 years old. He was a radio engineering student, um, like you said, all of them, but one more students. Mm-hmm. And he was considered to be the most experienced member of the Explorer, Explorers Club, which was the club that they created, um, they were all a part of. Mm-hmm. He was not interested in anything else but tourism, and tourism is what the Russians refer to as going to the mountains and, like, hiking. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was absolutely his passion, and he was one of the most experienced ones on the... And that makes sense in the newspaper where they call refer to themselves as tourists. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, because they're not, they're from the the, the area, country, but... but they're doing, they're touring the... Yeah, I guess. The next one is Zenaida Komogorova, and she does, she was referred to as Zena, so I'll say that. Yeah, I know, I I really like her name. But she was born January 12th, 1937, so she was 22 years old. And she had a bright personality and was on many expeditions. Some people think, actually thought that her and Igor were involved, but that's not true. Yeah, because I think I'd heard that too, that he had a photo of her. Yeah, there was a photo of her in his shirt pocket. So that was true. That was true. Um, So they think that he was like, you know, fond of her, had a crush of her on her. Mm -hmm. But they do now know that she wasn't interested in Igor because she was actually into Yuri Doshenko. Okay. So how would you feel going on an expedition and one of the guys is carrying out a picture of you? Well, yeah. I mean, maybe. He probably just had a crush. And they really don't know. It didn't really seem yeah. anything. But I'm about to get into it. Her and Yuri, like, everything ended um, before the expedition. And they were all on, mm-hmm. like, good terms. So, Yuri, there's not much that is known about Yuri. Um, they, they did say that he came from a very poor family. Mm-hmm. So, they, they also said that he was a very brave person on one of his previous expeditions there was a bear approaching the tent having nothing in his hands he confronted the bear and made the bear leave so some theorize that this is what made Zena fall in love with him and like get a crush on him and like that's what ignited it who wow. fucking knows um but at the time that's of- crazy though <laughs> I know <laughs> yeah talking about brave yeah uh at the time of the current expedition and their last uh their love or fling was over but everyone remains close friends including like Igor there was no like hard feelings they were all 
they all work together. They all studied together. They all did expeditions together. So I think there's going to ha- be like and that. You have to remember, too, how young they are. So young. So young. Except for one. Yes. But. Which we're getting down to that. Mm-hmm. So the next person is Ludmila Dubinini, Dubinina. And she also goes by Luda. So I'm going to refer to her during this as Luda. So she was born May 12th, 1938. She was 20 years old. So young. She was an engineering and economics student. She she was experienced in tourism, so hiking. And she looked really shy, kind of a cute girl look, but she was very strong, they said. One time she was actually shot in the leg by a hunter hunter on an expedition and she persevered through that and made it back and like finished that. I was going to say, looking at her, like I feel like she is a tough, tough, tough lady. Yeah. So... I believe it. Uh, the next one is Rustam Slobodin. He's a cutie. He is. My goodness. He was born January 11th, 1936, 23 years old. Also, so many oh, January yeah. birthdays. Yeah, 11, 12, and 13. Yeah, and oh. like all in January. Oh. What? I was going to say, what if it linked up with like when they died in the order of when they were born? But but we don't actually know. Like, yeah, we don't. Know. Yeah, we don't know. But a thought. So, Rustam was the most athletic guy in the group. He was the most well-trained and physically fit of the ten of them. I see. Rustam's father actually was quoted in saying that he could not believe that he could not make it through that, meaning that, meaning the expedition. Um, Jeez, even in death, you don't have dad's approval. Right. It's kind of messed up. But I think he more so meant it in a sense no. of, like, he's so strong, like, he out of all of them would have yeah. persevered and came out. Well, it seems like quite a few of them. I mean, <laughs> it should have like it's shocking. Someone should have survived, mm-hmm. right? I mean, I don't know. So the next one is Alexander Kolovatov, and he actually went by Sasha. So he was born November sixteenth, nineteen thirty four. Um, so he's twenty four years old. He was known as a cool guy among the group. Uh, we actually don't really see him often in the pictures. So mm-hmm. it's uh, they think that he was a very private person, kind of in the background. Mm-hmm. The next person is Semyon Zolotaryov. And he was born Jan- or February 2nd. I can't read my typing, apparently. February 2nd, 1921. Which so he, he was- would have had a birthday during that. Yeah, he was 38 years old. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. He would have. But this is calculated with that. So I think, yeah, that's like calculating his birthday. So he's 38 years old. He was not previously known to the group, but had previously requested to join them in the expedition just weeks before their departure. He was working as an instructor of tourism. He needed one more expedition to upgrade to the next level. Zolotorov was an experienced outdoorsman and soldier being awarded medals for his service in World War II. Despite the age difference, it seems Zolotorov was quickly accepted in the group. The students embraced this guy. And he was, um, we're going to get into it, but Nikolai... Thibaut Brignoles. He was born January 5th, 1935. So he was 23 years old. So there is an age difference uh, between him, but uh, Thibodeau could make friends easily and very quickly. So he became very close with 
Zolotaryov mm-hmm. um, because of, he was a very mature and serious guy for his age. He really looked up. He like looked up to yeah um, Zolotaryov and wanted to learn from him. Wanted to be like him. Mm-hmm. And then we have Greg Georgi Krivonashenko. He goes by Yuri. Mm-hmm. And I do apologize. I'm trying here. I'm trying not to. I'm just glad she's the one doing the pronunciations and I don't have to worry about it right now. (laughs) So Yuri was born February 7th. So he also had a birthday during this. 1935. He was 23 years old. He was considered the joker of the group and his playful antics always changed the entire course of events. While they were waiting for the first train, um, and this information comes from Luda's diary, but Luda, uh, Yuri asked Luda for money for the cafe and she had all the money for the trip. For some reason, she said no to him. I don't know if she was just like the one like in charge of managing the money, but Mm -hmm. Yuri decided to walk around the station with a cap for money after singing a song. He was taken by the police and charged with deception. The group had to rescue Yuri so they could like continue on their expedition. The whole group asked the officers to let Yuri go, which is honestly really brave of them considering the time. Uh At that time uh, in the Soviet Union, you didn't want to mess with the police or talk or like challenge the police. So the very fact that the whole group spoke up for Yuri testifies that they were really, really great friends. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. Crazy. And like, you got to keep in mind, this is Soviet Union. Error. Like, mm-hmm. it's a little bit different too than even. There's you know. like a lot going on at this time because it's, mm-hmm. it's the Cold War, it's the space race. You have so much going Russia on. and the US. Like, things are going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, the last person, Yuri Yudin, he was born July 19th, 1937, and he was 21 years old. It is said that he is an enigma person, one that the girls trusted. Uh, he wasn't very cool. He wasn't sarcastic. He was just kind and a good friend. Yuri had to quit the trip and suffered a great deal because of it. He told Svetlana Oss, if I could ask God one question, that would be what happened to my friends. The cold weather flared up a nerve. It caused him like some treacherous back pain, which led him to leave the expedition three days before the incident. How crazy is that? And it really it, had survivors go so bad. Uh, yeah, but it, it makes me wonder if like it was his own intuition causing something to happen to sabotage it himself. So like, cause he knew something wasn't right. Yeah. Or maybe, you know, he said that it like he wouldn't have been able to keep going with the hike because of how bad his back pain was. It was making him mm-hmm. sick. Yeah. So like, I don't, I really don't think like he had any inkling of what was going on. No. I mean, I just mean like subconsciously. I think from like was- what I've heard with it, he almost wishes that he was mm-hmm. with them. He actually, he died in 2013 or 2015. And per his request, he wanted to be buried at the same location as his friends and with his friends at the monument and like the That's cemetery. Exciting. So he finally was reunited mm-hmm. at death. Hopefully he found out what happened. Yeah. But that's just a little bit mm-hmm. about them. Um, I think I'll hand you the reins of yeah. talking about the incident, talking mm-hmm. about their hike and expedition, and then I can get into the theory. Uh, like I said, they had cameras and diaries with them 
during the expedition. So those were all found um, mostly around the last camp that they had made. Um, and when they found those, it made it possible to pretty much track the group's route um, up to the day before the incident. Which so, is like so amazing that they did this. Cause mm-hmm. I mean, now people do social media, but I was thinking about it, like writing every day mm-hmm. about like what you did. It has helped so many. I know. It makes me feel like I should start doing that. Yeah. I don't know. But then I'm like, no one read this. (laughs) Right. But it does, like, help if Mm -hmm. something really bad were to happen. Yeah. If, like, some cataclysmic event occurs, maybe I'll keep a diary. Mm -hmm. Just, like, each day. Yeah. Probably we should. I mean, there would be nothing else to do anyway. Mm -hmm. So, anyway. Right. Um, So, back to this timeline. Uh, so the group arrived by train at a, a city called Ivdel, at the center of the northern province of Sverdlovsk Oblast on January 25th. They took a truck to Vichy, uh, which was the last inhabited settlement so far north. Mm-hmm. They, were. Um, they then started their trek toward Otorten Mountain from Vichy on January 27th. And I think... To just to put into perspective of like where this is, this is up in like Siberia, mm-hmm. like Russia, Siberia. There's nothing around, Mm-mm. <laughs> which you have to feel so alone out there, knowing miles and miles and miles there is nobody. Nobody. At least well, I mean, there were people, but yeah, they were like the indigenous. People, yeah, but like no one. Mm-hmm. Crazy. The group's leader. Uh, which was Igor, he would he agreed that he would send a telegram to their sports club as soon as the group returned to Vichy, uh, which was expected to happen no later than February 12th. But well, I saw that it was February 12th was the earliest they or, would come yes, back. I'm sorry. Yes, so that was the earliest because he did tell them like things could happen. It might yeah, be a day, it could so be delayed. Later. That's yeah. not uncommon. Um, so yeah, sorry, I think I worded that weird, but yes, that's correct. Um, they were expected February twelfth, mm-hmm. but it could be a little Take bit, a little later. bit longer, and not to be surprised by that. Mm-hmm. So the next day, uh, one of the members, like you mentioned, Yuri Yudin, he was forced to go back due to illness. Um, Diallo told him that he expected the journey to take longer than what they originally planned to be those two weeks. So for him not to worry as well when the telegram didn't show up. The hike started out fairly late on February 1st, and they only traveled about two and a half miles. They set up camp around 5 p.m. on a slope of Mountain Kolot Sivkul. Yeah, which is the dead mountain. Oh, wait, sorry. No, you're fine. I was just trying it again. Kolot Sequel. I think sequel sounds more sequel. familiar. A lot sequel. Anyway, it was a mountain with a slight slope on it. So they had set up their camp sort of on this slope, which I, well, I also, I think where they, they got here, they kind of went in the wrong direction a little bit and ended up in this area instead of kind of backtracking to get back on track. They just stayed there because mm-hmm. they didn't want to, right? Does that sound? Funny? I didn't hear that. I, yeah, I think they kind of veered off a little bit. Okay. And instead of going back to, like, the forest area, they stay where they were on a slope, which mm-hmm. some people question because they're so experienced. Why did they set up camp on a slope mm-hmm. of a mountain? But And this actually, what you have here in your notes, answers the question that we were asking before, if they were two different mountains. Oh, yeah. And they are. So they set up camp on a slope of the co-op. T- t- 
sciatical or however <laughs> you said that. And that was the meaning of dead mountain. So that translates to dead mountain or silent peak, like you mm-hmm. said. And then that was 10 miles away from the mountain they were going to, yes. which is Otorton. Otorton. So Otorton wasn't the dead mountain, but yeah. they were on See, I write things and then I forget about them. No, I'm not. I was <laughs> I was like, that helps. Like, yeah. That's fine. Yeah. I just had to like get here anyway. Um, so yeah, it was just 10 miles from where their destination was. The slope that they had camped on was not very steep. So maybe even as experienced hikers who you would think would not camp, set up camp there, they figured the slope angle was low enough that it would be fine. And I believe they had also wrote in their diaries that, um, it like the snow is pretty thin. Like, I don't think there was a whole lot of like worry about an avalanche. No, there was no worry, no yeah. sign or anything. They weren't common in the area either. I don't think. No, we won't get into that. Um, so they had dinner around six or 7 PM that evening and then everything we don't know what happened exactly, but this is when everything went to shit. Mm-hmm. So um, by February 12th, which was when they had, was the early state to expect that telegram, nothing showed up. But like we said before, delays were not uncommon. So no one was worried yet. And it wasn't until after the hikers' relatives started to demand that they start a rescue mission for them, which, yeah, your family's going to be the first ones to panic. Right. Of course. So I get it. Um, But it wasn't until they started complaining to start a rescue mission that they actually sent out groups, uh, volunteers, mostly. Um, On February 20th, they sent out the volunteers who consisted of students and teachers. But then later, the army and the police forces became involved and they used planes and helicopters Mm -hmm. to search as well. So it did become a big thing. On February 26th, the searchers found an abandoned and badly damaged tent. And like we said before, there was just the one tent to fit all nine of them at this Mm -hmm. point in it comfortably. So they found this tent. It was half torn down. It was covered with like a thinner layer of snow. It wasn't like completely buried Mm -hmm. from what I had seen at least, but it was like torn down and it was empty except for like the hikers shoes and some of their belongings. I think some leftover food too. After examining it, it was determined that the tent, because it was like ripped in shreds, mm-hmm. but it was determined that it was cut open from the inside, mm-hmm. which when you see pictures of this, it's just demolished. And, but how is that faster to so get out? So for a long, because it's one person tent, so there's only one, or it's a one tent, so there's only one entry. Yeah. Okay. But I will say that, um... I need to find her here, but an expert criminologist, Natalia Sakharova, mm-hmm. she did like testing and stuff with the same material, and it was proven that it was not cut from the inside out. Really? So years of that theory and them saying they were trying to escape was actually proven that someone from the outside was cutting in. Oh. Mm-hmm. And this is, yeah, she just came out like a little bit ago and saying that. That's crazy. And it blew my mind because that's like all I've ever heard. Because that's like what the foundation on this whole theory. It's the foundation of almost everybody. Yeah, that they were cutting themselves out of the tent. Oh my God. But other theories are like coming through now. Mm -hmm. I can't wait till we get to that section. So, okay. All right. I'm glad you told me that. Anything else about the tents before I move on? No, that's me. That's like the main one that it was found that 
they're lying that the okay. investigation said ruled that well, I'm curious about this next bit then so they had also seen tracks from the tent like nine sets of foot tracks mm-hmm. and foot tracks footprints <laughs> <laughs> With it. I didn't even notice. It kind of sounds good. I like it. Foot tracks. Anyway, nine sets of them. Uh, but from what I had seen, it wasn't like they were running in a panic. They were kind of. So I've heard two conflicting theories yeah. with that. And that, like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. How do you really tell? I guess, like, because. Wider strides. Right. And there was like, it wasn't all, you know, messed up from moving around in the snow. Yeah. I could see, like, I saw that they weren't panicked. But then in, like, some of the interviews and stuff, it made it seem like they were in a hurry getting down the But is that mountain. based on the evidence from the tent? I don't know. So, but like, there's so... It's so confusing. Mm-hmm. Um, but the footprints did... Foot tracks did uh, appear to be, like, barefoot. Like, bigger tracks. Is that what you mean? No, like oh, barefoot. Yes, the, the they didn't have shoes on at the no, time. No, they didn't have shoes. Some of them were wearing just socks, and some had just like one boot on. Mm-hmm. I cannot, and this is at this point what negative twenty-two ish degrees Fahrenheit mm-hmm. in the Siberian wilderness. No, could you imagine how cold that would literally feel? Like pricks, I, like you're getting stabbed in the feet. I feel like you would get frostbite immediately. Definitely. I was thinking that too. And they're so experienced, they should know. But I mean, that's the thing. Like, well, if you're going with the theory that, not theory anymore, but if they had cut themselves out, what scared them so bad that they felt they need to just run out? And when we say run, there was the slope and then there was the forest. It was over a mile distance Mm -hmm. of where their bodies were found, except for um, I'm sure you probably have this, mm-hmm. except for Igor's. I don't know if I have the distance. In um, he was closer, which mm-hmm. I'm sure if you don't get into it, yeah, I will. We have a diagram too, so we can. Perfect. But I know that it was at least a mile, if not a little bit more. Like that is a long yeah. distance running. Barefoot. Barefoot, barely clothed. Mm-hmm. They No supplies. No supplies. I mean, some of them didn't even have anything but their underwear on. Mm-hmm. Like, they're under clothes, like, undergarments, yeah. like, undershirts. Um, yeah, so it's, it's very compelling. Mm-hmm. These footprints that they found were leaning down towards the edge of a nearby woods, like you mentioned. So, I, I guess not so nearby that it's, like, a mile. But it was the closest. The, yeah, the only thing out there. It's shelter, so they're running for it. But we, Like I said, we do have this diagram um, that shows where everyone was found and in the order they were found in and the distance is on there it's just not converted to american speak because we don't know the metric system yeah so but 1500 meters from the tent to the forest like you said should be a mile It is a little less than a mile. It is 0.932 miles. Okay. So they found these footprints leading down to this woods. And this is down the slope. And at the edge of the woods, under a large old cedar tree, they found the remains of a fire, along with the first two bodies of the hikers. This was Yuri Krivonyshenko. Krivonyshenko. Yeah. Yuri Krivonyshenko and Yuri Doroshenko. 
And they were found lying perfectly side by side in only, like you said, their underwear. So their undergarments. The cedar tree's branches were found to be broken up to five meters high, which could indicate maybe they're trying to climb it to get away from whatever they were running away from. Yeah, I've wondered that too. Like, are they climbing it to get away from something or were they climbing it to try and see their campsite to make it back? Yeah. I don't know. But like, how disoriented could you be? Like, you just, I don't know. If it, if the footprints didn't seem like they were running away, they had so much time to turn around and go back the way that they came and follow their tracks. Mm-hmm. So maybe visibility was zero. Right. And it's really hard to tell what the weather conditions were like that day because mm-hmm. it was weeks since, or it was a long time until the search um, team like found them. So like the weather that then could have been way different than that night. Mm-hmm. And they said it's brutal weather conditions up there. Like it could change in a matter of time. So maybe they just couldn't see to make it up. But it is odd like the cedar tree being broken and mm-hmm. and but like they have a campsite there or they have like a campfire there yeah they started a fire so like why so i don't know something it, go away it doesn't make sense but and then if you question maybe they didn't climb up maybe something else broke the branches but they found like evidence of human skin and blood on the bark mm-hmm. and i think some of their hands were cut up too showing that they did try to climb mm-hmm. but yeah i don't know like And also, I think you might have said this too, but they were found in their underwear, but there are some theories that some people, they might have had more clothes on, yes. but others were trying to keep themselves warm. So mm-hmm. once they like had expired, they, mm-hmm. maybe I shouldn't say that, once they passed. But no, I had that thought as well, that just because they were found that way doesn't mean they started out that way. Exactly. And it would make sense to survive. Mm-hmm. If your friends died, take their clothing. Right. If you're dying of hypothermia and they're already gone, Mm -hmm. try and help yourself. Yeah. So Yuri Krivonyshenko, he was found shoeless and dressed, like I said, only in his underwear. There was liver mortis on his back, but from, I don't know, the autopsy report was weird. Mm -hmm. Maybe I misread it, but it acted like, so it said like liver mortis was on the back, but he was found facing up, but that would make sense. If his liver, if that was found on his back, he would be laying on his back. Yeah, it would be where the pressure, mm-hmm. yeah, where all the blood is pulling. Yeah, because of gravity. So like, maybe some, maybe I read like a summary of it. I don't know, and it just said that, and I put it down. I don't know. Anyway, it could determine that the body would have been moved. So maybe it was worded wrong. Maybe it was supposed to say like found facing down. Mm-hmm. I don't know why you would question that. So anyway, which would make sense if they were taking their clothes off, the other friends. So they also found bruises on his forehead and his left temporal bone. There were bruises on his chest, legs, and hands. Pieces of skin was missing from the tops of his hands and were found inside of his mouth. Wait, pieces of his hands were inside his mouth? skin was like missing from the backs of his hands the tops of his hands and some of it was found in his mouth i didn't hear about that yeah Hmm. at least that's what i heard 
No, I'm not doubting you. I'm not doubting you at all. Because there's so much to this. Yeah. I, I might have heard it too. Because mm-hmm. there's more brutality yeah. to come. He also had a burn on his left leg. So I first when I heard about the burns, I was like, well, that's really weird. But someone like light, like torturing them. But if they're so cold and they had that fire, they might have gone so close. Yeah. And just they didn't even feel it anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this um, Yuri Krugonashenko. Oh, I'm going to get into that. Okay. Do you want me to skip it then? Okay. Um, so on to Yuri Doroshenko. He was the second one found with him. He was also shoeless and dressed only in underwear. Liver mortis also on the back. He had burns on the side of his head. His ears, nose, and lips were covered in blood. There were multiple abrasions and bruises on arms, legs, and torso. And there was a foaming gray discharge from his mouth that was left on on his cheek, um, which was said to be could have been caused from like great pressure on his chest which they found like evidence of pressure mm-hmm. on his chest right or that's one else yeah on february 27th the next day they found igor and zaneda between the cedar tree and the tent so back sort of on their course yeah so it, it was showing them like they were almost climbing the slope mm-hmm. going back to the tent yeah, site so they found those two together and then six days later is when they found uh, Rustam Slobodin. Mm-hmm. And he was found in between them, actually. Mm-hmm. So they were, like, under snow. Mm-hmm. And they were all facing, like you said, the same direction as if they were heading back towards camp. Mm-hmm. Igor, he was found with no injuries leading to death. It was concluded that he died of hypothermia. He was found face up. He was frozen, and he was clutching a birch branch in one of his hands. And his other arm seemed like it was shielding his face from something, which could be yeah. end. It could be like he just gave up and was. I don't know what the branch is. That's so odd to me. Like you, I assume you'd be using it to fend something off, right? Not just like walking back to your. I don't know if it was trying to be used as a walking stick. I don't think it was that. Maybe, but it, they didn't make it seem like it was really like long. Maybe he was going to use it as kindling to do a fire. Maybe. Kindling, is that right? Kindle. Kindling. I think you're right. Okay. It sounded okay. I think I said kindle. Yeah. Do you read much? Anyway. The fun? (laughs) Anyway. I'm confused by that statement. It's fine. You don't even know what you're talking about. (laughs) Kindle? Growing up, it was like, get the Kindle for the wood. Yeah. Yeah. What does that have to do with reading? Because the Kindle, like, am like, <gasps> I was so. <laughs> I thought you were like saying, like, it's kindling. Like, no. do you fucking read, bitch? Like, <laughs> I was like, oh my God. I don't think I read many books about fires and Kindle. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, next we have Zaneda Kolmogorova. You said she goes by Zena, so we'll say Zena. Uh, she was found also no injuries leading to death, and it was concluded she died of hypothermia due to violent accident, though, is what it had said. So not like, how do you die of hypothermia due to a violent that accident? Doesn't, those are two different things. No. There's so many conflicting things in this, like mm-hmm. their autopsies. Uh, there was also some blood found around her body. Oh, I forgot about that. 
And then we have Rustam Slobodin. He was also found no injuries leading to death. It was concluded he died of hypothermia. He was found face down in the snow. There was a bloody discharge coming from his nose. He had swelling and weird bruises on his face. The skin was ripped off of his right forearm. Bruises on joints of both hands as well, as if he may have been fighting with his hands and punching. Mm -hmm. There was a fracture in the frontal bone of his skull. It was really deep, about seven inches long. He had hemorrhaging, which possibly indicated blunt force trauma. And he was also the most like well trained, physically fit. Right, of them that's what all. you would say. And like this is pretty brutal. Like he was putting mm-hmm. up a fight, is what it sounds like. That's what like. it seems like. Like the skin being ripped off, the swelling and the bruising. The bloody discharge could be just from like the temperatures and you know, dying. Mm-hmm. But like the the evidence of him possibly fighting with his hands and then the like the skull fracture and the blunt force trauma like that just seems and all of what the government or what the findings are saying is this was them falling when they were like running away or going away like all the things that have happened with the bruising and the hemorrhaging is from them falling just falling from like their height distance yeah onto snow mm-hmm. like it's deep snow i don't i don't think you would get that like there's not going to be like a rock right under right and there's no evidence on rocks or anything not that they could mm-hmm. like clear all that up but still yeah. and a lot of the criminologists and things some fbi agents that looked into this case they all said that none of that would be caused from like uh, falling from the, their physical height mm-hmm. it just doesn't make any sense no none like this is all signs of a very violent occurrence. Mm-hmm. Which is weird. I know. I hope somebody will find out. <laughs> um, so so far that was five hikers that they had found. Mm-hmm. Searching for the remaining four took them more than two more months to find them. Right, and you know, think about this was in the worst conditions. Conditions in January, February. So a couple months, things have like melted the weather so that's bad now yeah the remaining hikers were finally found on may 5th or i well i saw may 4th i saw the 4th and the 5th but either way under four meters of snow in a ravine that was 50 meters farther into the woods from the cedar tree Mm -hmm. they had like basically dug themselves a den to stave off the cold they also put branches, which was smart of them. So branches in between like them and the walls of the snow so that they don't have direct contact. Mm-hmm. They also had started a fire in there as well to keep warm. Now, how long they were in there? Well, what did they dig with? Branches, I guess. Mm-hmm. But like, they still, did. maybe you'll get into what they were wearing and stuff, but it's not like they had all of their gear. Right. Like, their hands had to have been frostbite. Mm-hmm. Their feet. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I just, like, I want to know how long they were in the den and, like, how they managed to do all that. Yeah, I don't... Yeah, because we don't really have times of death Mm-mm. other than the order in which they may have died. Well, sort of. Well, no, not even really. I don't know if they have that. And the ravine would have been frozen at this time, right? Mm, I would think so. The creek, yeah. Okay. 
So these four that they had found were better dressed than the others. So maybe they had put more clothes on after the rest had passed. Mm-hmm. So you could kind of discern the order that they would have died in if you if you go with that theory. Right. And I think that Igor and them were one of the more healthier people in the group that they were trying to get back to camp to get all the rest of the supplies. Mm-hmm. That's the theory. So it was also said that the injuries that they had found on them were similar to being in a car crash, but it was all internal. There weren't really as much like. And how does that like how injuries. does that happen? Just from falling down a mountain like that. I don't know. Like it seems like you would have fallen down a rocky mountain versus yeah, and you were like tumbling, you, like those scenes where you're tumbling and hitting, like mm-hmm. ping pongling off of the trees or something, and that's yeah. not the case. Mm-hmm. So first we have Nikolai Thibault Bricknell. He was found wearing a hat with three round holes that were in the front of the hat. I don't really know what that means. I don't that know was either. in the report. Three round holes in the front of his hat. I don't know. But if they it was didn't a fashion like, trend or <laughs> yeah, they didn't say if it was. Like, they did not elaborate. <laughs> he was wearing uh, a khaki, khaki canvas fur helmet, sheepskin jacket with a zipper, and two pockets. His right pockets had a pair of gray gloves in them. Oh, so they did have gloves. Yeah, his left had coins, and there was also folded pieces of paper and a comb. He was wearing a ragged wool sweater, a knitted shirt, two watches, because they told different things. Mm -hmm. He had boots and knitted wool socks on. He had woolen winter pants and sports pants. There was a pocket where they found a white metal button and a metal chain that was from what they think was a wall clock. It's just so random. So random. His skin is a gray-green color. This is just a note he has. He has his eyebrows. Mm-hmm. Keep that in mind. He has them. His eyes are closed and his eyeballs are sunk far into the sockets. His mouth is open. There was major skull damage, fractures that probably occurred with great force. And it was determined that his death was a result of violence. Mm-hmm. And the other ones, reminder, were of hypothermia. Mm-hmm. So we have Ludmila Dubinina. Who was by Luda. Luda. She was wearing a short sleeve shirt, a long sleeve shirt, and two sweaters. And I'll get into this next part later. Uh, she was also wearing a small hat, long socks, and two pairs of pants. The external pair of pants was badly damaged by fire. So I don't know if that was on the fire that they created mm-hmm. in or, the den, or, or if maybe one of the one of the uh, Yuri's that were first found that didn't have many clothes on. If it oh, was theirs and right. they also caught fire because mm-hmm. they had burns on them. So that would kind of make sense. Cause I don't think she had burns on her, but she was wearing those pants. So it looked like she had also cut her sweater and attempted to wrap her feet, but only one of the, one of her feet were wrapped and the other piece of fabric was on the ground as if she dropped it. Those were like her last moments, probably. She had major chest fractures, broken ribs. Soft tissues are missing around the eyes, eyebrows, nose bridge, and left cheekbone is partially exposed. Mm -hmm. There were damaged tissues around the left temporal bone. 
Her head was tilted back and her mouth was open wide, kind of like she was screaming. Yeah, and so was uh, Thibault Nikolai. Yes. His mouth was wide open. Mm -hmm. Which, like, to, I assume, freeze that way, right? Or to die that way with your mouth open wide like that. Yeah, like your body, that's... And did they all die at the exact same moment? They were right. like yelling? Like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. She, her eye sockets are empty. Her eyeballs were missing. Which they said was due to the water. Like, right. Because they were found like laying in that ravine with at that point running water for And their face months. down in it, I think, yeah. right? Yes. So they said that that can happen, but I don't think but the other, like that. But the other, it didn't happen to the other ones. Yeah. That's what I don't understand. So, like, and the eyeballs are completely missing because the other in Tibbo's, they were just sunken sunken in. Mm -hmm. These are missing. They didn't elaborate. Mm -hmm. I know. It's weird. Just missing. So they didn't confirm if they were ripped out. Mm -hmm. If they were eaten out. If it, you know, whatever's holding it in there, I don't know, anatomy, dissolved (laughs) or whatever happens. Maybe it froze and broke off. I don't know. But um, also... Her nose cartilage was broken and her nose was flattened. So I don't know, like, if she would have gotten, like, hit in the face. Yeah, or she fell directly on something. Mm -hmm. Uh, There were soft tissues of upper lip that were missing. Her teeth and upper jaw is exposed. Also, her tongue is missing. Yeah, that's what I think is so... um, Interesting. Like, the eyeballs are missing. They're saying that's from the the water mm-hmm. the tongue is also missing and again did not elaborate if it was cut out ripped out dissolved. chewed off yeah anything mm-hmm. just missing which i wonder if, like that's why her mouth was open okay mm-hmm. and like a tongue is really long so was yeah. it the full tongue i heard it was like there's theory again it doesn't elaborate in the autopsy report mm-hmm. but like there's so many theories that it was ripped out by the root how how do you do that? Isn't it very far down there? I don't want to think about it because I'm like picturing it happening to me right now and I don't like it. But oh, we're looking it up now, you guys. I'm doing really slow typing because <laughs> Belina it was like, I'm laughing at how hard you type. Oh, she slams on her keyboard. Uh, me. Yeah. Yeah. It's, she was like, I'm dying <laughs> you typing right now. It is just click, 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 click. I don't mean to. The average tongue length for males is 8.5 centimeters, and females usually have slightly shorter tongues, averaging one 7.9 centimeters. Hmm. Yeah, so it Yeah. I feel like it'd be, like, down to... Oh, seven centimeters doesn't seem like a lot. Yeah, it's not as long. I thought it was feet, but... I think it like just goes probably like that to here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Reachable. Anyway, okay. so no one knows what happened here. Some do speculate too that after they had died, it was like scavengers that had eaten the eyeballs and the tongue mm-hmm. because it would. I saw that. Them to eat, but, but what do you mean though? You would see some kind too? of evidence around right. the eyes, around the mouth, and you're only gonna. Well, maybe she was the last right. one, like. Yeah, maybe it was the only thing still fresh. Not like decaying, but it's cold as shit. Mm-hmm. Everything's preserved. Yeah. Which was another weird thing to me, I guess because of the melting. 
but they were still found under meters of snow, Mm -hmm. like four meters or whatnot, whatever you said. So (laughs) I thought it preserved their bodies and their bodies weren't that preserved. I mean, they were, they could find all this information out, but if you saw the pictures, like Mm -hmm. shit was caved in. So is that from the melting or snow and not being just ice? I don't know. I guess it's probably just ice that preserves it. I guess. Maybe if there was any fluctuation in temperature, it just mm-hmm. started the process. But I don't know. You would think that they wouldn't they have been as decayed as they were whenever they Was were there around. anything else other than her tongue? Um, her chest. So it seemed like there was a high force impact to her chest. Yeah. Which, again, they would say from falling. But it was concluded her death. It was through violence. It's just... It's so weird. Because the ones that were in the den have a very... Like, a lot more violence to them. And their mm-hmm. deaths are said to be caused by violence. But the other ones also had some violent... Um, Mm-hmm. abrasions injuries but, injuries but concluded to be hypothermia right so did they die first and then someone came after the survivors like it's mm-hmm. so it's so odd to me Semyon Zolotaryov Zolotaryov what accent was that it wasn't really an accident it was more well, like respect I really like his last name okay alright so he was the older guy he was 37 38 at this time he was found with two hats a scarf short and long sleeve shirts sweater and he had a coat with two upper buttons unbuttoned two pairs of pants and a pair of skiing pants his right pocket contained an onion bulb and coins <laughs> so random and, yeah I know he had boots and woolen socks. They all had also found a brush and a ball of yarn, a rolled up newspaper, pieces of newspaper, and more coins. It was said that he had a compass in his left hand, and there was a camera around his neck with damaged film. Now, this camera was interesting because Yuri Yudin, the survivor that was sick and turned back, he was surprised that they had found this fifth camera because he had never seen this camera before. And I think I saw in your notes earlier, but I don't think we covered it since I did the people, but Yuri Yudin testified that Alexander Kolobatov kept an avid personal diary with him yes. at all times. And Yudin remembers him having it the last time he saw them, but the diary mm-hmm. wasn't, wasn't found. Right. And there was also another camera that was never found. Yes. So is this the camera that was never found or I guess not. this is a fifth camera, the fourth one or yes. whatever. Is That's what what, how I understood it because um, Yuri, you didn't have not seen this one before and he would have. Right. And if he testified, mm-hmm. well, that's interesting. So he, thought that this would have been a hidden camera. Which, why? A hidden, like, that guy had mm-hmm. a hidden camera? Oh. And, like, what... Well, I'm not saying anything bad about him, but it's just also kind of weird he... But, I mean, he's and not the part of the group. Damaged, he would have so they couldn't recover yeah. anything from his film? So they say. That's but interesting. They, they couldn't find his, that other diary as well. So the, the diary and the camera are both things that, like don't know what's in them Mm -hmm. but when you think about this he had his camera around his neck did he have that whenever something happened in the tent and they ran out or did he quickly grab it before he ran out because there was something on it i don't i really like i mean he was 
he was also killed, so I don't yeah. think he was. Are you saying he was like a spy? No. I mean, I know that's a theory that he, like, worked for the KGB Mm -hmm. or whatever. Um, But, no. Like, I'm thinking more, what if he has evidence of something? Oh. Of what could have attacked Mm -hmm. or caused the attack. Maybe. Hmm. Yeah. Something to ponder. Also found with him was pen and paper in his hand. I don't believe there was anything written. His facial skin is grayish green as well. He had crushed ribs and a crushed in chest. It's weird that they all had a crushed in chest. Mm-hmm. Crushed in chest. Did they all fall mm-hmm. with the, the same, same force? Thing. Yeah. He had massive internal damage, but he had no soft tissue damage. So again, no like external injury mm-hmm. to match what happened inside. Mm-hmm. Also weird. His eyebrows are missing. It's so odd. We have what? We have eyes, tongue, and eyebrows. Mm-hmm. And oh yeah, no, the nose was just caved in and broken. Yes. Which, if you go with the scavenger theory, what? Yeah, why did they need eyebrows? Mm-hmm. That's such a weird thing. Well, could it be like a sacrifice? Like a I don't know, like a trophy? Seems like a trophy to me. Mm-hmm. But yeah, weird. And I don't know if they tried to also use the excuse on this one that because of them being found in the ravine that decompted that and yeah, but hair doesn't nature. hair hair won't like go like that. Hair's one of the last things that stays. Yeah, I don't know. It's really weird. Okay, that's weird. And they didn't elaborate on it, which I hate mm-hmm. when they did the report, but. I guess it's not their job to do that, really. It's mostly <laughs> take down the facts of what's in front of you. He, in the area of his eyebrows and eye sockets, there's a round-shaped soft tissue defect with thin edges and a bared facial skull. And bared facial skull bones. Sorry. So, like, he had, like, a big wound, kind of. Right. On his head, on his face. His eye sockets are gaping and his eyeballs are also missing. Again, well, I guess because there's two people, you could say it's because of the water, but I just find that odd. His nose was also flattened at the base and his mouth also is opened wide. So that's three out of the four. Mm -hmm. But only one tongue missing. The conclusion for him was that he died due to multiple fractures of the right ribs with internal hemorrhaging likely from a high-power impact to the chest. So he died as a result of violence. And I wonder if Luda was mouthing off or saying something and they were like, I'm taking your tongue. Like whoever Mm -hmm. could have done this? Mm -hmm. Could be. Yeah. All right. Who is next? Okay, we have Alexander Kolevatov. So he was well insulated, but he was missing a hat and shoes. He had a sleeveless shirt, a long sleeve shirt, a sweater, a fleece sweater, a ski jacket with a zipper, but was unbuttoned and unzipped, which is odd. Yeah. He had his ski jacket was also damaged. It had a big hole in the left sleeve and had burnt edges, which there is a picture. I don't know if it's the same one or not 
of one of them wearing like a destroyed a bird, jacket. Yeah, I saw that, and that was before all of this, right? Mm-hmm. So I wonder if they, if any of these other burns were from whatever had happened. Like maybe one of them did fall into the fire at one point, right? Maybe, and they were just goofing off, or who knows. But, I mean, I don't know. I guess they didn't have anything written about it. You would think that with an event like that, it would be in some of their journals. Mm-hmm. So maybe it was immediately before this all happened and they didn't have time to write about it. His right sleeve was also damaged and there were tears found. Tears. <laughs> there were tears found in the clothing as well. It was in his pockets. They found a key, a safety pin, some blank paper, and two packages of pills, soda, and codeine. Soda comes in the form of pills. Uh, okay, it's an old thing from the fifties. <laughs> I didn't question it. <laughs> okay, I'll look while you keep going. He was also wearing shorts, light pants, ski pants, and another pair of canvas pants. In the right pocket, he, they found a box of matches that were soaked. His feet had no shoes, but he was wearing knitted woolen socks with. Um, it looked like there was fire damage on that as well. He had an additional light sock on his right foot, and his left foot had three socks. So it's like baking soda is to relieve heartburn and acid. Uh, <laughs> that makes sense. So it's like Alka-Seltzer. Yeah, exactly. Um, you ready for this next bit? He was mm. also missing his eyebrows. It's so weird. I don't understand. I like genuinely do not understand. And I'm so unsure what theory to go with, which we'll get into all of them, but I don't fucking know. His skin is missing in the area of his eye sockets and eyebrows, exposing the facial bone. His eyeballs are wrinkled and sunken into the eye sockets. The bridge of his nose was straight, but the nose cartilage was soft and had an unusual mobility. Again, he still had his eyes. Mm-hmm. They were just sunken in, but his eyebrows were missing. Like, clearly someone is taking something yeah. from them. Because it, w- it wouldn't make sense for the one to have eyes and eyebrows missing, and the one mm-hmm. just to have eyebrows, and another one just to have eyes and a tongue right. missing. It's weird. <sighs> and then the first one didn't have anything missing. Mm-hmm. So... I don't know. Anyway, so his yeah nose um, had unusual mobility. The base of the nose is flattened with the nostrils compressed. And they said it wasn't necessarily broken. So he had an open wound behind his ear. He also had a deformed neck. Hmm. They didn't say broken well no he was the one it was like his trachea or something was misplaced which is evidence of someone being strangled yeah but they they didn't say that in the autopsy that's like other criminologists saying like any other person would say Mm -hmm. that's from being strangled yeah which is crazy Mm Uh, he also had bleeding in underlying tissues of his left knee, softened and whitened skin of the fingers and feet consistent with putrefaction and a wet environment, which I assume they all probably had that. Mm-hmm. His overall skin also had a gray green color with a tinge of purple, the waistband of his sweater and the lower parts of his trousers. <laughs> well, sorry. I'll, are you getting into? No, I mean, yes, I am. Okay. So something else I want to say for the end is some of the clothing from Alexander and some of the clothing from Luda. You said her nickname is? Mm-hmm. 
tested radioactive, mm-hmm. which is weird and not weird, kind of. I don't know if you had read anything about the radioactive part of it. Yeah, I did. I actually have, like, a theory with it. Okay. Um. So... I do know, like, I think there were two out of the crew that did work at plants at one point and could have handled toxic materials that was, it belonged to, the articles of clothing belonged to them, so. Yeah, no theorized. other person. Yeah. Which, yeah. But also, like, there's also just, um, you know, products back in the day that used certain things. Like, if they had any, I was reading, like, glow-in-the-dark paint with what was used then, it would come up, like, radioactive. Mm-hmm. So maybe it was just items that they had on them, but I kind of like the theory of it being, I don't know what it is, but like, what's weird is that why would they test for radioactivity, radiation? I don't know. Do you want to wait until we actually talk about the theory? Yeah, sorry. No, you're good. I just, no, no, no. I just don't want to get like, start mm-hmm. saying stuff and then be confusing. Um, But I don't know why they thought to test it well they did because they he was questioning if the army was testing uh, if the army has something to do with it with like radioactive like nuclear power mm-hmm. so i think that's why the investigator requested so it, it wasn't right away <clears throat> oh well, the testing mm-hmm. I, I don't know how soon it was yeah but so following this whole incident investigators were kind of baffled they had nowhere like to go they thought they would cut themselves out of the tent um they also talked to the local like indigenous people thinking they had something to do with it there were thoughts that like the soviet government had stuff to do with it but all in all their conclusion was that an avalanche Mm -hmm. happened and there was just like unknown circumstances yeah. with like the weather and natural causes. And that theory keeps coming back. I right. Like. So actually, well, it just came back um, following the government's newest investigation that they closed in, I think it was 2021. Yes. But facing increased media attention, the prosecutor's office launched that new investigation in 2018 and like i said it concluded in 2021 but the recent conclusion backed the avalanche theory the report stated that the hikers fled their tent at the sign of an avalanche on the mountain descending far from the tent without their winter clothes or boots they subsequently died from hypothermia and natural events the finding seems to present a simple conclusion to the case but for many like we agree i think it doesn't really hold up no and part of me had originally thought like oh well maybe that makes sense with some of the injuries if Mm -hmm. they were piled under snow with all Mm -hmm. that impact on their chests and everything maybe it was breaking things but i read that typically when you're caught in avalanche you usually die from asphyxiation Mm -hmm. which makes sense and none of them had died from that so they obviously weren't buried under the snow right they weren't that under but there's actually a lot of evidence that like contradicts the avalanche theory and i honestly don't agree with the avalanche theory because of some of these things Mm -hmm. but the location of the incident showed no obvious signs of an avalanche taking place Mm -hmm. like we 
kind of just said, the avalanche would have left certain patterns and debris over a wide area. And that just didn't happen. Bodies that were found within a month of the event were covered with a very shallow layer of snow and had there been an avalanche of sufficient strength to like sweep away the second party, the bodies would have been swept away as well. Um, and this would have caused a lot more serious and different injuries in the process and would have damaged the tree line as well. Mm-hmm. So just like, there's just no evidence. Physically, there's this. no sign that there would. There's also been over 100 expeditions to the region since the incident has happened, and none of them have ever reported conditions that might create an avalanche. There was actually like a study of the area using up-to-date terrain-related physics re- that revealed the location was entirely unlikely for such an avalanche to have occurred. Um, the dangerous conditions found in another nearby area which had like significant steeper slopes and cornices and things like that were observed in April and May when the snowfalls of the winter were melting. So during February, when the incident occurred, there would have not been any conditions because nothing would be melting and moving. Mm -hmm. And you can interrupt me at any point. I just, did you mostly come across that they were, if it was an avalanche, it was a slab avalanche? Um, I did, but I didn't really focus on what they were like the different avalanches just like so have you ever seen just like a sheet of snow fall off like your roof yes that's like what they they think it just would have dropped like well it would have like slid Mm -hmm. down the slope no and hit their tent oh you mean sliding yeah there's no like it's not like rumbling snow going down it's like a sheet sliding down the slope which is i think how they got where they say that, you know, they weren't covered by snow. Well, that wouldn't leave a ton of snow on top of them. Well, that actually goes along with what I was about to say because that proves what I was about to say wrong. But there was, like, an analysis of the terrain and the slope showed that even if there could have been a specific avalanche that found its way into the area, its path would have gone past the tent and the tent had, like, would have collapsed from the side, but in all... Not in a horizontal direction. Mm-hmm. So I don't really. So if it was a slab, that would prove that wrong, right? Yeah, because it would hit the side, collapse it from the side. I would think, because I would think it would still be heavy enough to knock a tent over, right? But it was still standing, and it was not knocked over. It was just ripped up. And I still can't get over that it was not ripped up from the inside. I know. I, like, my mind was blown because that's all I've ever heard. For so long. That's what it was believed. Mm -hmm. No, that's just one criminologist doing it with the fabric and showing, like, the cut patterns Mm -hmm. of how the fabric, like, what side, how how it would look like with the breakage and stuff. So, (laughs) things could be different. Mm -hmm. It could have happened, but she truly believes that it was not cut from the inside. Yeah. So, was someone trying to, like, attack it? them from the outside cutting in like scaring them right because they never found knives either right Mm-mm. which if you're cutting yourself out of there like you, you would have had a knife either they dropped it at the dro- site or they took it with them to defend themselves and they would have found it at least by now yeah you know with melting and stuff so. i would think but we mentioned before how the outlaw was a very experienced skier and the older member of the group Zola Zola was studying for his master's certification in like ski instruction and mountain hiking so neither of these two men would have like likely 
set up a camp anywhere in the path of a potential right. avalanche. Mm-hmm. Like I know you said they might have got off course or something, but they're still experienced. I don't mm-hmm. think they would even chance it if they thought an avalanche was going right. to happen. No, avalanches are very random, right? Mm-hmm. But still, it's not that time of year for it to happen. And I, I would think because of the slope that they camped on, they assumed too. Mm-hmm. Nothing would get them there. So now another theory uh, or another testament against disproving, like disproving this theory, is what you were saying earlier with footprint patterns leading away from the tent mm-hmm. were like inconsistent with someone, let alone nine people, running in a panic. Yeah. Um. So all the footprints leading away from the tent, this one says, and towards the woods were consistent with individuals who are walking at a normal pace. Now, I haven't ever heard someone say they were like fleeing, but I did hear people say that like, I guess, fled Mm -hmm. fleeing, but like they never said they were running. Right. Um, So I'm not really sure if they were walking or running or or what. But it's interesting if they were just walking because... It's like the threat would have immediately stopped after they got outside of the tent. Right. And they, like, were able to set up a fire and stuff down below. I would have kept running, you would think, if there was something, an avalanche or something after that. And how are they falling if they're not running? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, how are they getting all these? I do not understand what happened. No, me either. Vladislav Karlin was an experienced hiker and friend of the Dyatlov group, and he joined the search efforts to find his friends in the documentary An Unknown Compelling Force. Vladislav says, I have traveled to many avalanche-prone places. I knew what an avalanche was. We flew a helicopter in the next day and saw the tent site. There were absolutely no signs of an avalanche. Absolutely none. And then also one of the last photos on one of the films uh, was taken at the campsite and it shows ski pools being like stood up mm-hmm. and like propped up in the snow or whatever outside of the tent. And those ski pools can be seen at the camp- campsite by the search team in like the exact position, barely covered by snow, proving that there wasn't any mm-hmm. sign of like a massive am- avalanche hitting them. Right. So I don't think the avalanche theory holds up. Mm-mm. Just because there's so many, these are all different reasons mm-hmm. for it not. And I guess maybe, but it just does not make sense. Yeah. I, my, okay. So, yeah. If you think about if they did cut themselves out, they heard something. Or I did also read, they had that stove hooked up into in the, the tent. tent. So if something had gone wrong with that, the tent filled with smoke. Mm. They had to try to get out immediately, and that's why there was a panic to get out of the tent, but then they were calm. They but why wouldn't you stay? Inhalation, though. Yes. And I would think you would have found that on autopsy report. Yeah, they found all the things with internal injuries. Mm-hmm. They would have found, like, smoke inhalation or damage yeah. or whatnot. So I, I don't believe that theory anyway, but... It still doesn't make sense why they would still, even though they shredded their tent, why would you leave your only shelter? Yeah. Barely clothed. Barely clothed. You didn't take supplies. So, you, I don't know. Part of, know. part of me feels like they were forced to get out of mm-hmm. the tent. And then someone Maybe made it, it look like it, it was, yeah, that's what I was thinking to walk down here, mm-hmm. your clothes. Don't let them get any, take anything with them. Maybe they already had stuff on. Yeah. But I just don't understand the den thing. Like, how did they have time to dig a den before others? Or fact, the poor. I don't know. 
Because if someone is forcing you out of the tent, like and you're, you're separating getting, them mm-hmm. and then letting them set up a fire, it doesn't. And they thought that the uh, like Zena, Yuri, and Igor were like climbing back to the tent site. Mm-hmm. So like, did they escape from something and then come back and then get attacked? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I did read too that some of them were intoxicated. They had been drinking, maybe? No. No? They didn't bring... There was no evidence of any alcohol being brought on the trip except for medicinal alcohol in a flask. Oh, interesting. At least that's what I found because I Mm -hmm. also was curious if they had any type of drugs or alcohol. Yeah, the autopsy report didn't say that, but it it was like in things that I've read where they Hmm. said that. And it's really hard to find like... You know the true things, but I, mm-hmm. I did. I personally read that there was no alcohol except for the medicinal. But I mean, that could be so wrong. Yeah, we just don't know. <laughs> we really Anything. know nothing. So we got a lot of theories. So yeah, we'll try and keep going. Running. Another theory is catabatic or catabotic winds. I think it's catabatic because it's with an A. But yeah. So in 2019, a Swedish-Russian expedition was made to the site. And after investigations, they proposed that a violent catabatic wind was a plausible explanation for the incident. Catabatic winds are somewhat rare events and can be extremely violent. They were implicated in a 1978 case at Anaris Mountain in Sweden, where eight hikers were killed and one was severely injured. The topography of these locations was noted to be very similar according to the expedition. Interesting. So, yeah, I think that... That's possible. Yeah. A little bit. I think that makes more sense than an avalanche. So far in the theories, this one makes more sense. (laughs) So a sudden catabatic wind would have made it impossible to remain in the tent. And the most rational course of action would have been for the hikers to cover the tent with snow and seek shelter behind the tree line. So they were trying to like not have the tent blow away. Mm -hmm. And that's why they think. But the shredding doesn't make sense. No. Um, on top of the tent, there was also a torch left turned on. <laughs> I thought it was funny that they said turned on because I thought I was the only person, like, why it makes fun of me. Because I always be like, turn off the candle or turn on the candle. Oh. And like, I mean, light the candle <laughs> or whatever. So whatever. So that was possibly left there intentionally so the hikers could find their way back to the tent once the wind subsided. The expedition proposed that the group of hikers constructed two bivoic bivoic shelters sorry i'm really bad at that d-i-v-o-u-a-c sounds good you would say the same thing bivoic um one of which collapsed leaving four of the hikers buried with the severe injuries observed okay so they all built the den they're saying if the winds happened and then some of them were on their way back but the ones that stayed in the den while they were going to back to the campsite, like the den collapsed on them. Hmm. Hmm. But where are the severe injuries coming from? They can't just all be from snow. I I would be puzzled if that was the case. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Just the amount of injuries and the removal of things. Mm-hmm. And if they were, like, cooking stuff up to survive, to eat, I don't think you'd go for a tongue and eyeball and eyebrows first. Mm-mm. Like, no. And that would be found in each other's stomachs. Right. So another theory is infrasound. Yes. The, uh, this is an interesting one. I do not agree <laughs> with this one, do you? 
No. I, I mean, it's just weird to think about. It is super weird. And I'm probably going to butcher some of these th- um, things. But anyways, so hypothesis popular- popularized by Donnie Eicher's 2013 book, Dead Mountain, is that wind going around Colot Siaco, which was Dead Mountain, created a Carmon Vortex Street, which can produce infrasound capable of inducing panic attacks in humans. So, it's know. insane. It's like a dog whistle, but it's for humans. And just... I've never heard of it. it yeah. To be honest. Well, you think about how, how many different um, frequencies can affect... Mm-hmm. your body mm-hmm. and your mind and I had yeah I'd heard that this one can cause dread a sense of dread That's so infrasound generated by the wind as it passed over the top of the Holotacho mountain was responsible for causing physical discomfort and mental distress in the hikers Iker claims that because of their panic the hikers were driven to leave the tent by whatever means necessary and fled down the slope by the time they were Further down the hill, they would have been out of the infrasound's path and would have regained their composure, but in the darkness would have been unable to return to their shelter. Traumatic injuries suffered by three of the victims were the result of their stumbling over the edge of of a ravine in the darkness and landing on the rocks at the bottom. But like that only, there's all of them had injuries. Mm -hmm. And the missing thing, the skin, too. Oh, I would... I don't yeah, I don't know. I don't think that one's that plausible. I think that the winds are more plausible than the sound. Mm-hmm. Unless, like, it really makes them go, like, insane and they're, I mean, like... Wouldn't you have fighting each other? Evidence in the eardrum of... Maybe not. I don't know. Like, wouldn't there... I don't think so, because it, it wasn't, like, loud, like, yeah. pressuring sounds. I don't think it... Like, a... I don't know. I don't know. It's a low frequency that... So a very common theory is that the Soviet government on military testing was going... This one. On. This there one. is a lot yes. to this one. A mm-hmm. lot of different angles you can look at it. Um... So the campsite, this is one of the theories of the military test. The campsite fell within the path of a Soviet parachute mine exercise. This theory alleges that the hikers, woken by loud explosions, fled the tent in a shoeless panic and found themselves unable to return for supply retrieval. After some time, members froze to death attempting to endure the bombardment. Others commandeered their clothing only to be fatally injured by subsequent parachute mine concussions. But there there'd have to be other evidence around mm-hmm. unless the government got there first, cleaned everything up, staged it as natural deaths. <laughs> yeah. But I don't know. So there are records of parachute mines being tested by the Soviet military in the area around the time the hikers were there. Parachute mines detonate while still in the air rather than upon striking the Earth's surface and produce signature injuries similar to those experienced by the hikers. Heavy internal internal damage with relatively little external drop. Wow, I can't talk. Heavy internal damage with relatively little external t- trauma. Mm-hmm. So that could theorize the internal damage. 
Yeah. The theory coincides with reported sightings of glowing orange orbs floating or falling in the sky within the general vicinity of the hikers and allegedly photographed by them. I will pause here and say that there is a famous 34th frame, which is the very last picture taken by any of the hikers Mm -hmm. and it is a bright like flying object at going at a really high speed i will say there was another expedition going on at this time Mm -hmm. and some of the people were actually friends with the diablo pass um group group as well but they also saw Mm -hmm. this there was a lot of witnesses even object the the mansi people Mm-hmm. They they said they heard like the Mansi people had drawings. They said they saw a flying object and then they heard explosions at night. Mm-hmm. Which two theories come out of that? It's military testing mm-hmm. and aliens. And aliens, yeah. So Another one is the aliens. Yeah. So we're... Yeah. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, like, if you think... But I guess they're not really floating. But in my brain, I was thinking, like, flare guns. I don't know if they had flare guns then or not. But, like, in an emergency, you know... Yeah, I never heard if they had flare guns or not. But that would be, like, an orange glowing... This theory, among others, uses scavenging animals to explain, um, like, the missing body parts. Mm -hmm. So the eyes, the tongue, everything like that. And then some actually speculate that the bodies were unnaturally manipulated on the basis of characteristic liver mortis markings discovered during an autopsy, as well as burns to hair and skin. Yeah. Now, there also are photographs of the tent allegedly showing that it was erected incorrectly. So this is something that the experienced hikers were very unlikely to have done. So it shows that someone might have messed with the tent afterwards. And set it back up. Mm Mm-hmm. Which is weird. I wonder... I wonder if, like, the tent could have been completely somewhere else and they moved their camp entirely. Dude, I was kind of thinking that. Like, the camp was just set up somewhere way different. And it was off their track. Like, Mm -hmm. I didn't know that, but if it was off their trail, like, they were very experienced. They all had their compass. They all had, like, I don't know. I have goosebumps from that one because that one is weird. I haven't thought about that till just now. Yeah. And they were all so experienced. Mm -hmm. Like, you wouldn't set the tent up incorrectly. And, you know, I did also read that those footprints that were found were staged. But, hmm. Again, that was just, like, a theory. So, a similar theory alleges the testing of radiological weapons and is based partly on the discovery of radioactivity on some of the clothing as well, like we just talked about. Mm Mm-hmm. As the descriptions of the bodies by relatives as having orange skin and gray hair, they don't really say that like that. (laughs) The families thought that they should be tested for radioactive elements elements because of the colors of their skin. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of where some of the testing comes from as well. Well, What's weird. So, yeah, they had like an orange tan-ish, right, and gray hair. Mm -hmm. That wasn't mentioned during the autopsy report, too, either. You know what I mean? No, you read it. They had like grayish green skin. Oh, but they didn't. I didn't see anything about their hair or their the rest of their skin like being. Oh, yeah, no. I only heard about it. The gray, the oh, I said orange skin and gray hair. Mm -hmm. Which I had heard that from when people were viewing the bodies at like the funerals and stuff. 
Right. Wonder if they like got in their head. Or I something. don't know. So radioactive dispersal would have affected all, not just some of the hikers and equipment. Mm-hmm. And the skin and hair discoloration can be explained by a natural process of mummification after three months of exposure to the cold and wind. So now that it's at in like warmer temperatures and stuff, and they're not up in the mountains, it might have slowly started changing their color of hair and everything because they're starting to mummify. Yeah. Uh, the initial suppression by Soviet authorities of files describing the group's disappearance is sometimes mentioned as evidence of a cover-up, but the concealment of information about domestic incidents was standard procedure in the USSR and thus far from peculiar. And by the late 1980s, all Dyatlov's files had been released in some manner. So I'm going kind of all over the place, but like... um. I'm going to get back to that here because I'm going to circle back to like okay. why that was hidden and then released because mm-hmm. of Diablo incident. So the sweater that Luda was wearing, she had two, but the one of them showed the highest signs of radiation, mm-hmm. but the sweater actually never belonged to her. It belonged to Krivonashenko. Kriva go mm-hmm. um which like that can be proven from pictures and everything right. like that it looks like luda may have taken his sweater after his death a document does show that krivino worked at a nuclear facility which only a year and a half earlier suffered a major nuclear explosion it was actually kish tim which i did pronounce that wrong but um it was at the time the world's largest nuclear disaster, yeah. and even today it ranks like second third. Or third yeah. yeah, it ranks third after Chernobyl and then uh, Fukushima. Yeah, in Chernobyl. So most people have never even heard of it because it was entirely concealed by the Soviets, <laughs> and Krivonoshenko was part of the cleanup team. Because of the radioactivity and stuff, they had to release the information about the nuclear explosion mm-hmm. to prove that there was nothing there. That would have caused the rape. Yes. So it actually like made them have to like come (laughs) clean about some of this. And after that explosion and Kishtim, I mean, thousands of people died. Mm. It was awful. And there was uh, evidence that Krivonoshenko would like wrote to the government saying that he was upset with the management of their safety and everything because it was the first nuclear explosion. It was the first incident. Mm-hmm. So like they were not equipped in the right material and stuff. They were all facing like yeah. injuries and illnesses and everything like that. So could he have upset the government because maybe he had the information, secret information and they well, wanted to like, anyway. yeah. Right. But, and so do you believe though that that, article of clothing with the radiation on it was because of where he worked. Yeah, I, do you think there was a piece of clothing that he had worn and still had and it was radiation Yeah. I do. Because the second positive test was on Kolovatov's clothes and it was later found that after graduation, he too went to work for a secret nuclear facility in Moscow mm-hmm. and that was actually part of like the cleanup for the explosion. So... I think the two people whose clothing tested positive mm-hmm. and they were the two people who ironically worked in nuclear power plants. Yeah. That I think that that answers that question in my opinion. Yeah, no, I, I think it does too. But you know, if you come into contact with something like that, throw out those clothes. They didn't know back then <laughs> and they were poor. Like I think know, the one kid came from a very, very poor family. Yeah. So like, 
I know you said that it came out anyways, but it is two hikers that had access to like very secret information mm-hmm. and materials and knowledge. So could the government have maybe put a they took their opportunity. They knew, like, everyone, the Soviet Union, like, they had to go through multiple things to set up this hike. Mm-hmm. Like, people knew that they were going to be out there by themselves, isolated. So, I guess, maybe. Um, another thing with the Soviet government cover-up is that the investigation book was dated February 6, 1959, and that's actually six days before the hikers were expected to even return at the earliest. It's weird. Someone mess up there, or... Yeah, so it led many people to think that that was evidence of a cover-up, but there was actually another document in the file that was clearly from an interview in March, like an interview of the incident that was Mm -hmm. conducted in March, but it was accidentally dated the 6th of February, and is that date that was copied in error to the front Mm -hmm. cover. The person just took the date from the very first investigation, Mm -hmm. and it was before any of it, before that investigation even happened. So... I don't think it was really a government yeah. cover up. I also like, will say to like go against the government and like the military testing, they would have left no evidence. Right. Not they wouldn't they wouldn't even want people to have like these conspiracies. Mm-hmm. They would have gotten rid of it all. Yeah. They probably wouldn't even have left the bodies. No, exactly. <laughs> they would not have left any of that mm-hmm. evidence. Maybe the tent and stuff, but I don't think they would leave the bodies. Mm-hmm. So I don't really know if I believe that. Yeah. All right. All right, the next next. one, paradoxical undressing. This is interesting. It is interesting. So International Science Times theorized that the hikers' deaths were caused by hypothermia, Mm -hmm. which can induce a behavior known as paradoxical undressing, in which hypothermic subjects remove their clothes in in response to perceived feelings of burning warmth, and it's undisputed that six of the... Oh, wait. Burning burning warmth, period. (laughs) It is undisputed that six of the nine hikers died of hypothermia. However, others in the group appear to have acquired additional clothing from those who have already died, which suggests that they were found, they were of like a sound mind Mm -hmm. to try to add layers. So like if they're adding layers, they're not in paradoxical undressing. Mm -hmm. I don't think that theory holds up either. I don't think, because they were trying to explain why some of them were found without clothes is because they took them off. Well, it was the middle of the night. I think that they just picked up and went out. Yeah. It was my... Or they have the clothes, but then when they pass, the others took the clothes. Yeah, I don't... Because And if it was happening to everybody, you'd have articles of clothing just laying around. Right. So, yeah, I don't. But it is a thing. So if you ever feel so cold that you start to get warm, don't take off your clothes. <laughs> no, it is a thing. Yeah. You feel like you're, like, burning. Mm-hmm. Don't believe it. It's in your brain. I hope I know. I've gotten close to, like... I never want frostbite. Oh, I had... <laughs> we'll pause before this. One year, I was went to the Fetty Wap concert when like, Fetty Wap was like a thing. He came to the BJC. Post Malone was just getting big. Oh wow! Whatever. Front row. We were waiting outside, and for reason the, with the wind, the real feel was like negative thirteen. Oh my god! And I even had like I had ripped up jeans, but I had like wool leggings mm-hmm. underneath clothes. You were like prepared for I the was cold. prepared for the cold. I. My hands were so purple. I couldn't move. Like, I was almost in tears when I got inside because I felt like I was burning probably, like, 40 minutes. Like, it was awful. I've always said, like, every time I think I'm cold, I'm like, you're not that cold because that was... Did you put them under your armpits? 
I don't remember what I fucking did. place. Okay. Do that. I'll do that next time. Me too. I don't know what I did. I just know, like, I went to the bathroom and I, like, cried. Yeah, no, I, I'd be freaking out. Yeah, I didn't think I could, like, get my clothes off. It was crazy. I know you're not supposed to, but I was trying to pee. Yeah. You know, you have to take them off for that. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so getting back to the other theory, and I'm almost done here. This one, I have a lot in this. Mm-hmm. Um, But the Mansi people. So the Diatlov group stole... This is the theory. I'm going to go over the theory first and then go like backtrack through things. So the the Diallo group stole Mansi valuables from a shrine on the trail. And as a result, they were punished. When they were asleep, the shaman cut the tent and the Mansi people put a chemical inside, which caused the hikers to hallucinate. The hikers then ran out of the, uh, out of the tent and they were killed. Okay. Right. So that's a theory, but like, I don't, I think that's more like a legend. Mm-hmm. If they did it, I don't really think it was like that. But hallucination is a very common theory that I think that there was some chemical or how, like, something used by the government or the man's, the indigenous people in the area to like make them hallucinate. Mm-hmm. But I don't, there's no evidence. And they were found too long for like, if they had any chemical gases used against them, like, it would have been out of their system. It would have yeah, so the Mansi are indigenous people that have lived in the Russian Siberian region for thousands of years. Some members of a prominent Mansi family even offered to help with the search efforts after the incident. Um, so some people didn't think that they were a threat, but mm-hmm. you see all the time that a lot of people will help, even like if they're guilty. Yeah. So traditionally they survive through fishing, hunting and herding reindeer. They get a lot like they get around with reindeer. They have reindeer farms. Like it's freaking cool. I was looking into the their culture and everything. Um, since the 13th century, the two separate groups, Mansi and Haunty people, um, they're both indigenous in the area, but we're mainly focusing on Mansi, were often united to fiercely defend their lands against the invading Russians. But by the time of the Soviet era, Russia, the indigenous way of life suffered greatly as their lands were taken and their numbers diminished. Very similar to yeah, um, yeah, America with Native mm-hmm. American or Australia with their indigenous. It's group. a common theme around the world, unfortunately. It is. It's very unfortunate. So shamans and shamans and even folk customs were pro- uh, persecuted during this time. So it was not unreasonable that some of the Mansi and Haunty populations had a distrust and resentment mm-hmm. towards the Soviet Russians. So that's a little bit of background on it. Why they would maybe would mm-hmm. do something to attack them. So Dialov and his team were greatly intrigued by the indigenous customs and way of life, and they were really excited to learn more about their language and customs. So I don't think that they would do anything to intentionally um, harm their no. traditions or religious beliefs. Mm-mm. I don't get the vibe from them. Mm-mm. They saw many sign Mansi signs uh, along their trails because, again, they were using a Mansi trail to right. get there. And they actually created a slogan for their expedition, quote, that was, quote, we're in a country of mysterious signs. And that was in Tribo's, um, not Tribo, Tebow's diary. Tebow. <laughs> Tebow. 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 But so they, like, had no idea, like, what the sign said. But they were just, like, all over the mm-hmm. forest and everything. We're in a country of mysterious signs. Yeah. Mansi Native says many stories are told of what happened. Um, this was like in an interview in the documentary that I watched. Not all of my information. I'll 
as always, we'll source our our stuff. But anyways, quote, an explosion occurred and it provoked an avalanche to fall into the tent. Well, then panic began. The hikers fled and later froze from the cold. So that's like what the Mansi people say happened. Hmm. Um, Again, there's no sign of avalanche. So I wonder how much like they were told and then just believed. They wouldn't, I mean, I don't know. Uh, several several Mansi that were well-known and respected by officials and looked at as ex- like experts, especially on those trails, uh, were asked to help in the search efforts to find the hikers, and they did do that. They did mm-hmm. assist with it. I, did, I heard, too, like, while they were searching, they were pretty, like, visibly, like, nervous and upset mm-hmm. about finding the hikers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it and like it is a shame because they they are the only inhabitants of the area, so the Mansies were looked at with suspicion by many people and investigators almost right away. There were rumors that the hikers may have stumbled onto the ancient Mansi and ancient Mansi site, um, mm-hmm. and maybe paid a heavy price for their trespassing. Yeah. So that did lead into investigations of the Mansi people. I mean, people. It, it makes sense. Like if you have. A mysterious death out in the middle of nowhere you're gonna look at the nearest mm-hmm. people <laughs> right so now i will say though there were a lot of conflict there they did interview the uh bakaturov family which is a nearby mansi family like the closest one to that area mm-hmm. and in the questioning they were trying to get information about any shrines or religious um special like grounds yeah and there's like conflicting things with that and i'm gonna read those right now but nikolay bakertov was interviewed and he said quote my name is nikolay i'm gonna skip the last part <laughs> our prayer stone is in the mountain at the upper reaches of vishay river vishay or whatever we agreed on earlier in the episode but russian men and women are not forbidden to come into the mountains this mountain has never been guarded by mansi and is not guarded now so that was saying like it's welcome to heaven it's welcome there's no way that they would be attacked so then peter uh the brother another mm-hmm. brother he said quote mansi don't have a prayer mountain nowadays i don't pray and i do not know of a prayer mountain hmm. But then, so, like, those are very different. Yeah. Then 10 days earlier from those interviews, brother Nikita, who lived in the same family, um, the same family camp and lived among all, like, Peter and Nikolay, he stated, quote, Mansi Prayer Mountain is located near the Batarov's Yurt. 30 kilometers in the upper Vichy River. There aren't any other secret Mansi places. They didn't have their story straight. No, dude. They did not have their story. So one said that there was... um, Up in the mountains. Up in the mountains. Wasn't one. Then there wasn't one. And then there's only one. And this was first. So only one first. And then... There's some in this mountain. And then there's absolutely You would think that's weird. Yeah. Same family, too. Mm Mm-hmm. Same area, like very close. Hmm. So we do now know that there were more sacred places that the Mansi were not talking about. Um, I didn't list them or anything, but I mean, there are there are more. I would get that, like they wouldn't want to like 
have everyone right going through it and exactly like you know ruining it basically right so i do get that but they're also one of the photos that the hikers took mm-hmm. we also now know was a sacred cave it was one of their sacred caves oh which one was that um let me see do if you I have can it find i don't think i do have it but i can find it I will find it because I did see the photo. I just, mm-hmm. um, it's not the one like in the background of Igor, is it? There's like something. Mm-hmm. No, it's like yeah. physically like you just see snow and then a cave. Oh, okay. They kind of look like a cave in the background, but so. That pretty much summarizes most of the theories. I will say that there's a Yeti wild animal yeah. kind of theory. <laughs> I didn't go much into it because I couldn't really find much. There'd be external injuries if there was something. Like right. That. And I don't I don't think their bodies would be fully intact. Mm-hmm. But like they, the reason this came up is because in one of the photographs, there's like a blurry yeah. person like mm-hmm. in the background behind a tree. But it, the camera just wasn't in focus, they think, and that it was... I forget it's which one. one. It was one of the Yuris. Yeah, you could tell they have pants on mm-hmm. and a different shirt. Mm-hmm. You could tell they're clothes. And, like, they are bundled up mm-hmm. out there, so they're going to look bigger. Yeah. But it's... Yeah, I don't. It's like... A, There'd be tracks, too. It's not like the Yeti would be covering up his tracks. I think there would be, like, more blood and stuff, like, yeah. places, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe not, but I just feel like... No, it's interesting to think about but i don't believe that one i mean i'm i'm leaning towards something government related i seriously don't know yeah i i think government related is where i go to but then i'm like would they leave any evidence but they definitely cover their tracks and making this very confusing mm-hmm. and i also we didn't like name the investigators or anything like that mm-hmm. but the what's his name like lev or something i don't remember there's so many names the lead investigator i can't find the name at this moment but he said that he was made to like be shush about certain things yes stop looking into certain things and then his like higher up actually was in the autopsy room the entire time that they were being like reported and examined and that Mm -hmm. he found that so so weird and off and that had never happened well that would explain why things were elaborated on right had quick short facts Mm -hmm. yeah so those things make me go more they definitely were murdered. Mm-hmm. I think that they were murdered. I do not think that it was natural causes of an avalanche or winds mm-hmm. or anything. And I really am starting to think that the tent was messed with. Yeah. Not them. I think it was messed with. And like you said, maybe moved. Mm-hmm. Like maybe that was not the site at all. Because I mean, it would be easy for the government to cover up their tracks. Like literally sweep away their prints. Yeah, I don't... It's so crazy. I will say, I made Wyatt watch the documentary with me, and he got, like, pretty into it. But he he thinks it's the Mansi people. Really? I... I, It's probably the more (laughs) explanatory, like... But I just don't think it is. Because, one, they don't want to have a target on their back. Mm -hmm. They don't want to be looked at like they're attacking Russians. Right. And they were with, they stopped at one of the camps before that night. Like everything was fine. Yeah. And you'd have more evidence of fighting. Mm-hmm. 
if it wasn't a professional job. Yeah, like some of the Mansi people, they would have seen like beat up a little bit, I think. Mm-hmm. But they did say that with it being nine hikers, that means that there it had to be more than one person that went to harm them. Yeah, they didn't leave any tracks either. I'm wondering, like, do you think someone took their tent, took their stuff, made them go out in the cold, vulnerable, and like what whatever clothes they had? They set up that den and everything, and then they were like, "Okay, you put a tent, your tent up here, whatever." Start like going to it, mm-hmm. and then I don't know, dude. I don't know. Does that doesn't make weird. sense. No. It doesn't. None of it does. But, like, those three were climbing back to their campsite. Like, Mm -hmm. I do believe that, what was it, Xena, Xena, Rustam, and Igor. Mm -hmm. I think the two Yuris, because they were side by side, like, by that tree, like, they were either placed there or they were the first to go. Mm I, yeah, I keep coming back to the government had something to do with it, whether it was some kind of military testing that they had stumbled on and then mm-hmm. the government tried to cover it up as natural deaths and an accident and an avalanche and moved them from where they were. Mm, like move them entirely and mm-hmm. set this whole scene up. Yeah, I'm just kind of. Yeah, because they're, well, other than the skin in the tree and stuff, though. Like they were alive at that site. And maybe they were trying to just climb to see something up higher. Like something scared them. They went down. Maybe. Or they were trying to like, you know, just try to get their bearings of direction by climbing a tree. I don't know. Yeah. But then the missing skin from one of the four's arms, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And then the missing eyeballs and the eyebrows and the tongue. The tongue. It's the tongue. Like, that's just extreme. Mm-hmm. That's just like, I mean, I need torture. to look up what a birch branch looks like. Like, how big is a birch branch? Probably depends on how big the They're small. Is. Like, yeah, but that's true. They're like fairly small because birches are like. So maybe he was using it as a hiking stick, but I feel like he was using it to defend. As a weapon. To, yeah, to defend or fight someone off. Mm-hmm. And their positions, the positions of like how they were found with their mouths open or like kind of hurtled up or putting their forearm over their head like they're blocking something. Mm-hmm. Like that's just, it's very odd. So I guess yeah. missing diary in the lack of that one film in mm-hmm. the camera provides evidence yeah and we'll just never know yeah maybe they had something, something on that camera i don't know it's a weird one to think about yeah so i guess if you guys have more information if you've done some investigating mm-hmm. yourself if there's anything we missed or you find really compelling and you want to share please do so your own theories um if this is the first time you've heard about this i'm sure your mind is a little yeah oh and so a cool movie to check out and it's fictional but it's called the devil's pass um and it's about students from i think oregon university or something they're experienced hikers but they decide they you know have studied this case a lot and they wanted to go there Mm -hmm. basically history repeats itself in a way and it's just what they end up with is really interesting and is government related and military testing and also talks about teleportation and time travel. So it's, it's interesting. Um, I, I would recommend you have to watch it. It's 
That's cool. And I will also say that the documentary I watched, An Unknown Compelling mm-hmm. Force, I I really liked it because they tried to prove every theory in a mm-hmm. sense. Okay, like this is where we're going with it. And then just looked at the most simplest answers, if it could or could not be. Like not tried to like go down those rabbit holes. But Liam the documentary filmmaker i mean he has people his authors he has people of like the foundation for the dot pass incident like finding the members and stuff he has the, like expedition guides on there friends of the dot group um also like mancy natives and expert criminologists fbi agents all of whom have like looked into this also someone from ethno park the land of the ancestries of like the mansi people mm-hmm. so there's just like a lot of information and actual interviews quotes documents yeah um from that so i thought that was really helpful in trying to clear some things up but still there's still, still no much. there's no clarity Mm-mm. i don't think there ever will be unless there's some kind of leak i doubt it will i really doubt it will who knows? If they do leak it, it's because they're distracted us from something else. So something worse. Right. <laughs> Just like all of a sudden they're putting stuff out about UFOs. I know. But yeah, I think with you, military testing seems probably, or not military, something with the government. Mm-hmm. So, something along those lines. And yeah, there was a ton of testing going on at this time anyway. Mm-hmm. And it's reported. Like they mm-hmm. literally were doing testing in that area around that time. But they would never admit that. Mm-hmm. So let us know what you think. I know this was a long one, but I think it's a really interesting one. Mm-hmm. Definitely go check it out yourselves. And I hope that one day we do get answers. Yeah, me too. I, I feel really bad for Yuri Yudin, though. Oh, I know. Like, I survivor, survivor's guilt. Being... <sighs> and who knows? Maybe if he would have went along, maybe he thought none of this would have happened. Yeah, I'm just change that one tiny mm-hmm. event and maybe timing would have been different. Hopefully he got answers when he was put to rest with them. Yeah, I hope so. But well, yeah, that's it for this week. Thanks for listening to us. Yeah. Um, make sure you go follow our social media. So we have Instagram at UAQ Pod. We have a Facebook page at Unprofessionals Asking Questions. And you can also send us emails at uaqpod at gmail.com. And don't forget to visit our website at uaqpod.com. You can also submit questions there as well. Or if you have any topic recommendations, definitely reach out to us. But yeah, so I guess we shall see you next time. Bye. Later. Oh, too. I always end it with that.